You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean Old Lion Media presents the history of being black. What up, though? Welcome to the History of Being Black podcast. I'm Jay Hall. How are you doing today? What's going on? How's everything? Are we breathing? Are we fine? The elections are over with. <laughs> you know, all of the other good things. I want to tag in the producer real quick. Ken, how you doing? Good, sir. I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. How was your holiday? You know what? It was good, man. It was uh, it was relaxing. Um, it was as relaxing as I hoped it would be. So, yeah, it was good. Let me ask you, Ken. Um, was this the first... Thanksgiving or the start of the holidays where things are kind of back to the normalcy before COVID? What, what normalcy are you talking about? <laughs> um, you know, I want to say yes, because we did have like the Trump and the Trump craziness before that with the elections and all that. Mm-hmm. So I will say, yes, this felt like a holiday prior to COVID. Yes, I will agree. Okay. Okay. And would you say the last year you probably had that was probably 2019 or 2018 for you. Yeah, I probably I, 2019 was interesting year for me, but yes, that was a normal year going into the holiday without a doubt. I mean, like I said, 20 2020, I don't I don't even remember 2020 Thanksgiving because of <laughs> COVID and all that. I just remember not wanting to go anywhere and you couldn't go anywhere and all that. So, uh yeah, so I would say yeah, this was probably the the first one since 20 at, at least 2019, but probably 2018. Okay. I appreciate you. That's why you my guy. Thank you very much. I, I was thinking about that and when it comes to what happened in this past Thanksgiving, it was the first one. I usually go to a family house out in Maryland, a family that adopted me when I first moved out to D.C. I've been knowing them half my life now. And big family. They're big. They're like the Jamaican Cosby's. It's like nine of them, um, seven or eight sisters and one boy. I know it's one boy, but it's eight sisters, and they've treated me like family ever since. And it was the first time I've seen them since COVID had, had kicked in. And it it kind of made me go back and I thought about the last regular schmegler year you could think about. And if you could think about it, your last, to what Ken just said, the last year probably was 2019, right? And 2019 was probably the last year. And when I think about it that time, I remember, see, I'm a December baby. I don't know if you know that about me. I actually have a birthday coming up. And it's interesting when you have a birthday at the end of the year because the year starts off, you get hit with all these things, good, bad, positive, up, down. And then when it's over, your birthday is here. And you live another year and you're just like, that's interesting. I really do feel like when your birthday is in December, you feel that year like no no other. You feel it. Because you start off at the March like everyone else in January and you feel that year when it happens. And when I think about what happened in my last regular Schmeckler, it was 2019. And in 2019, I thought at that time it was probably, I ain't going to say, you know, like a worst year of my life or whatever. But it was, a, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty tough year, if I can just be a little transparent. I was, I was coming off a breakup and, you know, it was one of those breakups where it was like, it was like a trilogy. And I call it a trilogy because when we broke up the first time, that's like the yelling point. But you kind of still together. And then the second time when we broke up, it was on some like, okay, you know, I'm done with you. But the third one was on some like, yo, send me my stuff. And that's how you know it's done. You know, send me the key. Okay. So I was coming off that. Then I was forced to leave. As I've shared with you before, I worked as a youth concert for 10 years. And my plan was to leave the following year, actually. But I was kind of forced to leave a little bit early because they were going to cut my pay by 45%. There was a new administration in town. 
And they looked at me with a straight face. And as a youth counselor, you also, when I was working in the high school, teachers also know this. You know by like maybe March, I would say, if you're going to come back, you have that conversation and they tell you and you sign whether or not you're going to come back the following year. And they wanted me back. They were going to cut my pay like 45%. And I decided in that moment, yeah, I'm done because I'm done with the shenanigans. Not only were they going to cut my pay, but they were going to cut the budget and the department that I work with pay, you know. And I was like, you know, as I expressed before, the things that I was doing on the side with media were finally catching up to the point where it was, I was feeling like the day job that I had, I was already feeling it was blocking the things that I wanted to do to go further because doing this writing thing and this media thing, that's my first passion. Working with kids was my second and to be honest with you, I was running out of that passion of doing with the, with the kids. Not that I'm not going to always help out or be a mentor if I can, but actually working. And I was a counselor. When you're a counselor and a teacher. You're on the front lines. That's exhausting. It's amazing that I went two years. I'm pretty sure my hairline would have lasted just a little bit longer if I didn't do that. But that's okay. I don't have any regrets of it. But I was losing my passion. in it. But my birthday came. And I remember sitting in my car. I was in Washington, D.C. And usually when people invite me somewhere, I feel, I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but I feel kind of obligated to kind of go because I don't like saying no to people when they invite me. And I didn't really have anything going up. But what they had going on, I didn't really feel like doing it. You know, they were kind of going to have like a chill New Year's Eve going into 2020. And all I really wanted to do was to go inside of a place Look up in the sky, scream five, four, three, two, one, happy new year, and say, ah, like that, and then, and then walk out. That's all I really wanted. Because the last two years prior, I was in New York and I had that feeling, and New Year's Eve in New York feels a little different for me. And so that's all I wanted. I just wanted to smidge it up at. And so I went to the most obvious place. If you've ever been to DC, U Street is the most on point, faithful place you can go to. It's a strip of places and bars and everything like that. And I remember I felt kind of proud of myself because I didn't go to my friend's house. And no disrespect to them. Like, I told them. Like, I didn't want to drive way out there. You know, I just I just wasn't in that vibe. You know, I just wasn't I, I wasn't in a chill mode. I wanted to go into the year in a very commanding type of way. So I walked down the street, took video of people drumming, you know, having fun and everything. I found me some no-name spot right there on 14th near you on the corner, I think, by the Capital One Bank. And I went down there, and as I walked downstairs, I walked right past security as he was checking somebody else's ID. I'll never forget because I, I just kept on moving. He, maybe he thought I had just came from there. And I was at a bar, and I saw six, five, four, three, Two, one, happy new year. Ah! Hey, me and a whole bunch of people, we just, ah! and I dapped up people. It was like, yeah, yeah. I knew nobody in there, okay? But I hugged people. Someone cried on my shoulder. It was like, it's gone, man. This year sucked. I was like, yeah, it did. I have no idea who that gentleman is to this day. And then I walked back out and I walked to my car. And I talked to my best friend back home, and she was at home because I think, I think she was supposed to go out on a date. The dude canceled on her, and I told her how I felt, and she said, "Good for you." I said, "That's right. I'm going into this year. I'm going to command myself to do the things that I want to do, and if I don't feel like doing these things, I'm no longer going to have this sense of obligation to put myself in places that I'm just kind of half about, you know, and and I." I'm going to lean on the people that I love and hoping word I'm not really a fan of, but I'm, I'm going to hope that they understand where I'm coming from and they, they know me enough to know it's not, it's not personal. That is for me. I just don't feel like doing what you're saying we should do. And that was how 2020 was going to start. And 2020 came. I'm not really big on the whole new year, new me thing, but because how I felt about 2019, I was going to take that initiative going into 2020. I go there. I'm struggling financially. Um, 
Oh, by the way, the job, when they were going to give me the 45% off, I told them, yeah, <laughs> at that time. Because <laughs> technically as a teacher slash counselor, you don't work in the summer anyway. But come fall, things ain't work out like that, right? We, we, we know what it is. So I'm running out of funds, right? Money is looking really, really, really bad. It's looking bad. But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm struggling, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm making it work. I even went and got like a part-time job because one thing about me, my pride is very flexible, meaning it's not really there all the time. <laughs> I got a job, like a part-time job at GNC. There was a gentleman who I used to laugh with when I was going in by vitamins. And it hit me. I said, hey, man, y'all hiring? He said, well, yeah, actually, we are. Bet that. I'm going to work this job. And my man gave me the job. And that's my guy to this day. I haven't talked to Rashad in a long time, but that's my man. Shout out to my guy, Leon, who was the other manager in there. And, and, you know, and they trained me. And I listen, I worked the job. It was a part-time job. It is what it is. But it, it kept me functional. It kept food on the table. And, you know, I was able to make rent. I was struggling, but I was able to make rent. And then about two and a half months in, I get a call. And I get the call of calls. You know, that call. And that call feel different. And it's a job offer, baby. You hear me? Straight job offer. Writer and editor job. Ooh, baby. I'm like, what? Are you killing me? You mean tell me I don't have to just freelance anymore? Writer, editor job, baby. I'm like, bet that. Ooh, and guess what? It's remote. It's remote. Meaning I only got to do is show up at the office when I feel for a meeting or two. And we're supposed to be traveling. Oh, man, I'm like that, that, right? Because the thing about me is I have been working in broadcast radio for so long. Writing was actually my first love back home in Detroit. I kind of went into a spell where I didn't really write that much when I first moved to D.C. I was dealing with a lot when I left back home, a story I still need to tell. And I got into radio originally simply because I was in the hallway and I heard somebody say something dumb and I thought I can do better. And a friend of mine was like, well, you should do it. And I started in college radio and then went on to WPGC and so on and so on. So when I got a job in Indiana, I went back to writing. The writing came back to me. Now, mind you, it's not like I never wrote ever, right? Of course, I wrote in college. And of course, I you know, wrote scripts down whenever I was working. But I'm talking about as a writing, the, the nature of it started coming back to me. And so... Trying to get back out there, I was rusty. My grammar wasn't on point. My thoughts was all over the place. And so I was, you know, starting off like most people during the blogging era. I was freelancing for bloggers and writing for miscellaneous people, all the sites that are no longer around. The first job I got, shout out to DJ Heat, was a blog site that she was running called Dumb Rappers Need Teaching. I was writing record reviews. And, you know, it was getting me back in there. So to fast forward to the 2020, me getting this writer editor job after trying to you know convince people and myself that I'm a writer because I had to get my confidence back up. This writer editor job was a big deal for me. Was it paying ooh gas of bread? No, but it hit a number, baby. It hit a number. <laughs> we like bet, you know what I'm saying? So I took it, and I remember going to the interview. I had to borrow twenty dollars. You hear me? I had to borrow twenty dollars to go to the interview. Okay. And and I had burnt that gas all the way down there to that office in Virginia, Manassas. By the time I went down there and came back up, I was on E. I had to borrow money to go back to actually my first day of work so I could pick up the computer. And I was so lucky that I didn't have to be in the office because now I can work at home because I ain't had no money until I got my first check. I mean, it was real, but it was it was one of those life changing you know, jobs that happen for you, where it's making, you're making double than what you've ever had, you know, and looking back on that, I'm going to show you how low my bread was. Cause even when I look at this number right now, it really ain't that much, but it was more than what was on paper because I was always somebody who had a base job, freelance here, do work here, do work for this person, do work for this person. And now I got like benefits, and, you know, healthcare, food. I'm, I'm in it. Right. 
And what's so important, this is why I tell people, you know, my youngins or my little homies that's coming up, right? Getting that title, you know, it's something about it because you're you're right about what it is that you said you set out to do. It's, it's bigger than, it's deeper than rap, you know? And, you know, for the most part, I'm working this job. It's a little hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it was a little hard first because, you know, now I'm here, right? I got to actually show up. And it was a little hard, but I'm working it. And during this period in 2020, it's still early in COVID was just honestly just being whispered, you know? Well, to be honest, it was being whispered when my birthday happened in 2019. It's just that the president that we had in charge, nobody over here was caring about what was happening over there. But be that as it may, this is the truth I'm telling you. So COVID's being whispered and working at home. Then the whispers went from being whispers to talk to being loud. And me showing up at work just for meetings or whenever I feel became, hey, listen, we are on complete shutdown. We are completely remote. We would be doing meetings on Zoom. Okay. So we're doing meetings on Zoom. But also during this period of time, Ahmaud Arbery died in Georgia, jogging. Two white men drove up on him, shot and killed him. They tried to make it that. He was breaking in some house and they were some neighborhood watch. And that really struck a chord with me because I'm, I'm a runner. You know, I run in the morning. I got family that live down south. Those dirt roads, I run on those dirt roads sometimes. So when I saw that video clip, it did something to me. A little short period after that, Brianna Taylor gets murdered by police officers. Louisville, Kentucky. They run up in the house, her and her boyfriend off a warrant that wasn't for her, and they kill her. They try to paint this picture that she was hiding, like she was a trap queen or something, hiding drugs for a man. None of that was true. So we all feeling a certain type of way. Then this COVID thing is really hitting. I mean, I'm going to the grocery store and I'm wrapping a T-shirt around my head because we don't know how you can catch it. And you watch the CNN, they put the number count up. Such and such died. Such and such died. Such and such died. And then the world witnessed the murder of George Floyd. The knee on the neck. Eight minutes. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Even when I mention it, I still feel a certain type of way in my neck by watching that. And it may sound cliche, but watching George Floyd there, that felt like me. I've been in that situation. I've had police officers put their knee on my spine and my back where I felt like I wasn't going to walk when I got up to the point when an officer told me to get up. I really couldn't get up. I was paralyzed for like 10 seconds and even 10 seconds of being paralyzed is a lot. So when I saw George Floyd, I was hypnotized and just, I can't believe that this is happening. And the world, we were all watching because we were all at home. And then personally, Five people connected to me died within the span of two months. Five people connected to what I do, who, knowing me, and I know them directly. They all died within two months. One, I never met her officially. We have mutual friends. Uh, we only talked on Twitter maybe a couple of times. Follow her career. Was rest in peace, Jazz Fly. I wish I'd have got a chance to meet her. It was one of those things you'd be like, that time I, I should have, when I was in that room, I should have walked across when I saw, and I just wanted to go over and say, hey, listen, I like your work. One was an old mentor of mine, Miss Perriman. Ms. Perriman was my acting teacher in high school, and my first creative teacher, and she was everything to me. She was a big deal back home in Detroit. At Southfield High School, everybody who went to Southfield High knows Miss Perriman. And yes, Southfield is a school right outside Detroit. You know, I've told that story. I went to three high schools because I tested my mother's love. But Miss Perriman was the first person to see my creative side. The side that I will always tell you saved my life. She was a gentle soul, always had wisdom. She was an actor herself. She did radio. She was just a phenomenal woman. And she passed away. 
Rest in peace to an old colleague I used to work with, co-worker, Tony Reds, WPGC. He worked for 6 to 10. I'm not going to pretend like Tony and I were the closest of friends, but he was somebody who worked at the station when I came there as an intern. So he was always a couple steps ahead of me, and there was, a, there was always a strong respect for him. I mean, whenever we saw each other, there was always love. And then he passed away. And man... My guy, Tommy Guns. I met Tommy Guns working the clubs when I was first starting up at the radio station. He was a promoter. To my knowledge, but he also was an entrepreneur, store owner. And I wish I could name, remember the name of his store right now. I know he has one on the Harbor in Maryland. He had one in Wheaton Mall. I'm so sorry to anybody that knows Tommy Guns, Thomas Mead, out of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, biggest Steeler fan I know. Always had love for him, the biggest of hugs. He was gone. Just like that. And I had just seen the brother maybe about six months prior down at the waterfront walking with his son, telling him what, what I'm doing, the kind of work that I'm doing. And I need to mess with him again because when me and my man, DJ Academics, we were first starting our thing and we was hosting a show called Hip Hop Makes a Show, we had a YouTube channel. And my guy, Tommy Guns, at his first store over there in Southeast of Pennsylvania Avenue was our very first interview. And he did that for me. And me and Tommy Guns didn't even know that the brother went to Howard. So when we found out we had both went to Howard, we had that bison love. I still miss him to this day at the biggest smile. Fifth person, if you keep in count, was my little homie, Gaddafi. Gaddafi was a kid that I used to work with. He was the only individual that I pulled to the side to say that I wasn't coming back the following year. And you know, if you're a teacher or you work with youth, when that renewal come up, sometimes you're a little bit reluctant to tell the students because some of them really tell you like, yo, if you ain't coming back, I ain't coming back. Or they make a certain decision with whatever. And I told him on the side, Gaddafi was my guy. And I said, hey, listen, I just wanna let you know I'm always gonna be here for you. I'm not coming back, I'm just telling you this. You know, and if you out there in the streets or whatever, or whatever you doing, just know that you got the potential to do to do it all. If you want to go out there and make it work out there in the streets, man, I'm not going to lie to you, you probably somebody who, who probably would make that work. And that's the honest truth because I knew it. But if you also want to go out there and be an engineer and be an entrepreneur, you can make that work too because he just had that kind of intelligence and that kind of leadership. He passed away before he was 18, and that did a number on me. I mean, man, the world got real for me. It did a number on me. But guess what? As I was going through that, the world and everybody and how they was feeling and around that time started gathering around. People were protesting. People were out there marching. I even went to a couple. George Floyd set that off. But we did not forget about Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. I mean, it was worldwide. It was all over the news, all over the TV. But something else was happening, too, that I was noticing. And people tend to like come together a little bit more. You see, since we were all home, a lot of us started FaceTiming each other. <laughs> we were checking in on each other, like looking at the face of one another because I told you about the pastors that I had in my life. There were other people who was experiencing that too. So we all was like checking in on one another. Every time you look up on social media, especially Instagram, <laughs> there was an IG live, right? I mean, at one point, when you look up, there was no IG story. Everybody was on live. And Fat Joe's stories were hilarious. They were crazy. And I'm hands down to tell you, Fat Joe was the greatest storyteller in hip-hop. Hands down. And even though sometimes I don't like what he say, top five, Irv Gotti. But Fat Joe, number one. I mean, I was all in his IG lives, just watching everything he had to say, the stories had to say, right? Versus popped up. <laughs> and then Fat Joe with the phrase, yesterday's price is not today's price. And ooh, to this day, Dipset versus Locks. Outside of Erica Badu versus Jill Scott for me, Dipset versus Locks, hands down. Phenomenal moment. But for me and my friends, I started to notice we all was becoming each other's support group. Shout out to my homegirl, Kay, who says that. Not a day went by 
where we wasn't checking on each other. Not a day. Me, my friends, personally, we started using a house party. Anybody remember a house party? <laughs> Interesting thing enough, come to find out, I don't know too many people know this, but house party was actually an app that my niece told me that her and her friends was using the middle school because they didn't have the iPhones. <laughs> but me and my friends was on house party every single day, seven days out the week. What you doing? What's going on? Be six of us, seven of us, eight of us. And if we could do that, then we we iPhone, you know, FaceTime each other. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? Knocking on the door, talking to each other, seeing each other's faces. Unshaven, no haircuts, no hairstyles, none of that. We didn't care. Everybody was just who they were, transparent at all. It was rough. And I know for me, it got me through. Because there were some days I didn't know if I was coming or going. And then as time went on, some things happened. I mean, COVID didn't go away, but the restrictions started to lift as people start, you know, getting the vaccine. There was some commotion about it. People were arguing about it, upset. You ain't gonna control me, but eventually majority of us Got it. I know I got it. And then I won't say that things went back to normal, but a new normal started to occur. A lot of us definitely went back to work. I mean, you saw the memes and the videos. There was some jokes. Some of you were in Miami when your office called you back. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of these employers started becoming more remote, as they should. Because guess what? We figured out you're not fooling nobody. I can do this at home, yo. And I'm willing to take a pay cut to do it. But we went back to work. We went back to looking online, looking at our shade room comments. But we kind of we kind of stopped doing the things. And I thought about it because it's past Thanksgiving, which brings it back to when I asked Ken, when was his last normal Thanksgiving? When was mine? But this past Thanksgiving, I started to feel something that I haven't felt in a very long time. And I didn't know what it was. I just had this eerie feeling. And it was when I hollered at a friend of mine, the first friend, and they had the same feeling. And it was seasonal depression. That's what my friend said to me. And I said, yo, that's what it is. Because, yo, really? After October? Your boy? I don't be feeling it. I don't want to come outside. I don't want to be on nobody's porch. I don't want to be on the phone. I'm just not with it. I'm not a holiday person in general. Like, I don't really do holidays like that. But the end of the year, the season, it gets to me. It's been doing it for a very long time. And I thought it was just me and this friend, and then I talked to another friend. And they were saying the same thing. You know, I... I when I bumped into the one friend who told me that they, you know, they was going through seasonal depression, I caught up somebody else just to see how they was doing. They picked up the phone and I could tell how they sounded by the moment they picked up. It's like, yo, you know, everybody got call ID, so you knew it was me. You ain't want to pick up. You could have not picked up, right? It was like, yo. And I started to notice in the conversation with the friend who was like, yo, and the friend before. The one thing that they had in common, neither one of these friends knew each other, is that they all, they both of them had groups of friends that loved them and check on them normally. But a lot of changes happened in, the, in their groups. Some people in their groups got engaged, got married, and then had kids. I mean, it's been two years. A lot can happen. Some got new jobs. Or some just fell off. But both of these friends of mine, they all felt that nobody checked on them. Each of them felt a tad bit lonely. And they're not lonely people. And I have to admit, as I was having a conversation with them, I was somewhat kind of feeling the same way. Not so much of loneliness of it, but this year right here has probably been one of the challenging years of my life. 
And you would think that that same parade of friends that was every minute and where we were, to be honest with you, I probably needed that this year more than ever. But it wasn't there. It was a couple friends. And that's important. Okay. Before I go any further, let me just tell you, you got one friend in your corner to me. Promise you, that's what you need. I'm just giving you numbers here. I'm just trying to give you some little, some sort of context. Because thankfully for me, even though this is one of my most challenging years in my livelihood, definitely in my adult years, one thing that I picked up during COVID was some practices, positive practices. Like I wanted to get into some practices about me. So I started waking up early in the morning. First thing I do is work on my breathing. Okay. I, I do my breathing exercises, I meditate, I stretch, I drink a full bottle of water, I look out the window, I take in the air, no matter how cold it may or may not be outside, I open my window and I breathe in that fresh air. I start journaling. Yeah, I like my sage, you knew it was coming. My other sticks, my palisatos. I also, whenever I feel any kind of negative thoughts, instantly counter it by thinking about positive thoughts off top. It's just what I do. These are things that I started doing during the period of 2020 when I was just going through it because it was doing a number on me. And I just wanted to have things ready in motion in case I go through it again. And thank God I did start that two years ago because it helped me through this way. But I have to admit what my friends were saying, there was some realness to it. And it's not that these two friends I was talking to were, I felt that they were going to harm themselves to that point of loneliness, you know. But what they had to say, I have to admit, it, it stuck with me. And I'll be a liar to say that I didn't necessarily feel the same way. Because we kind of, when we all needed each other, we were all there for one another. We were calling each other. We were pulling up at your house. Especially if I knew you ain't been out to the club or anything like that during COVID. But just walk with me. I was pulling up at your house. It was good. If I said I was going to call you, I was going to call you right back. Some of us still had jobs, so it wasn't like we couldn't hit you back like you was too busy. But somewhere down the line, when we went back, we went beyond the normal. We went back to being our selfish selves. Yeah, right. man, Jack, he good. Mike, cool. I, I call Sean. This Shantae calling out. She called me three times. I hit her back later. I got this girl that I'm seeing, and I'm really trying to lock this down. I'm trying to, you know, what I'm saying, I'm trying to keep married. I got this guy that I'm seeing, and he might be the one. I got this new job. I got this job that I'm doing. Oh, I got responsibility, man. My kids. I got I got these kids. I'm a parent, but we all found ways to kind of navigate those things, those same priorities and responsibilities when we all had to sit at the house. Two things I feel like came out of the 2020 pandemic shutdown was knowing what you can survive off of when it came to time and money. But those of us, oh yeah, by the way, I forgot one important thing. I got laid off from that job. I was only there for about three months. <laughs> but the thing about it is realizing what you can live off of, right? People realize what they can live off of. People were you know, unemployed or didn't have unemployment. You realize what you can live off of. And by the way, that whole thing about people don't want to go back to work, and when you go to restaurant and stores, they like, we're hiring. We're not open on Wednesdays because we don't have enough staff. Oh, they're hiring. People don't want to go back to work. I can make it very simple for you. Your wages suck. Yeah, you're hiring, but your wages suck. Okay? A lot of that $15 an hour, to be truthful, it, it don't cover anything, but barely the basis, depending on where you live. So stop trying to sell this thing that people don't want to work because people are willing to work. They just know what they're worth at this moment. But there were people 
at once upon a time, we wanted to make sure everybody was okay. There was a humanity that was in the air amongst all of us. It was beyond just a simple protest. There was conversations. There was, there was a stir up. There was a concern. Yo, I ain't talked to him in a few hours, yo. You, you gonna call him? Well, I'm gonna call him Tay-Tay. Tay-Tay, call him Tay-Tay. Say he's all right. All right, I'm gonna hop on house problem and talk to y'all later. We were doing that for one another. And it just feels like as soon as the laws, the restrictions left, we just, boom. And we know we cannot have our morale reflect off what the law system is. It just feels like the urgency that people want to feel to kind of get back to every day, doing their things, whatever, they kind of forgot the lessons and the valuable thing that they really had moving forward. They didn't want to pick that up. There's, you know, we, we're, we're talking about mental health like we are. We're talking about mental health and everything, but what are we really doing about it? Like, what what are we are we are we going to do anything about it? Are we do we care about one another anymore? Do we really want to call our friend to see what's going on? Our our friend back home, where we from, or our friend next door, our our, our guy, our homegirl, all those people. I mean, what happened? Why can't we make another event? Why can't we never watch another movie together? Your man telling you he down. You gotta do more than just be like. Is there anything I can do for you? You got to be like, okay, understand that that person may not be able to articulate what's going on with them. So go see them. Go see what's up. Go holler at them. Yo, force your way in. Yo, you got a partner. You got a lady. You got a man. Shouldn't they understand? It isn't getting, isn't getting together supposed to be, you know, we, we, we're, we're, we're each other. We're one now. So, yo, what's important to you is and what's important to me. Yo, you at work. Didn't, wasn't that something that we all learned that this is not important and these employers don't care about us, but the people I love, that's who's important for me? Isn't that what we picked up? Isn't that what we remember? So is it gone now? Does it no longer exist? Because I'm seeing a lot of moving on. We're right back in the the shade room and the ball alerts and we just we're slinging mud and everything and it's just like yo but what about our well-being what about that especially right now there are people who still don't have work their parents are still trying to figure out how they're going to buy their kids gifts we all know after thanksgiving it is Definitely hard to get a job. The unofficial hiring freeze up into MLK is real. So your chances of being able to be employed, if it didn't happen by Thanksgiving, the chances become slim. And we know this. We heard we saw our parents go through it. We went through this before. Where we at? There are people that are going through it right now. It hasn't stopped. There are people who are feeling the effects of what happened in 2020 now. They're feeling it. I told you about my little homie Gaddafi. I lost me another little homie just this past year. I was just telling Ken earlier how one of my mans back home lost his fiance. You good, man. You are I mean, I'm, and I'm I'm away. I'm three states away, and I'm trying. I'm even calling a couple of my friends back home. Pull up on them. Like I'm trying, and I got a lot going on in my life. We all have a lot going on in your life. All of us. Me, you, Mama, there, P, there. We all got a lot going on. But one of the lessons we should have learned was that how valuable time is and how valuable life is. And we keep saying it over and over and over again. Nothing is more important than life, yo. Life is short, yo. 
You never know, yo. Each day can be your last, yo. After I lost, after my man lost his fiance a week later, one of my other mans, God rest him, his father passed away. God blessed him, I mean. Like his pops, yo. I'm like, I never met his pops, but I used to hear him talk about him a lot. And I know he loved him. I'm trying. I'm not saying I have a remedy. But we can't just keep marching on and moving and forward and forgetting those things that we learned. Or, you know, the things that we, the lessons and the understanding of how important it is to pick up the phone. How that your man? How that your girl? Like, is that, we went through all of that to learn what exactly? I'm, I'm, I'm really, sometimes I get a little lost in the sauce, but I'm, I'm really trying to understand this. Like, did we not learn anything of that? Like, did your goals become that important? And who said you can't accomplish your goals at the same time? Mind you, we're not talking about walking newborn, baby grown individuals, friends that you ain't messing with no more. We all know everybody can't go with you. That is not who I'm talking about. Okay? I am not talking about those people that you fell out with that were jealous of you, all of that, because if that's what you say in your head right now, you are missing the point. I'm talking about those genuine friends, the ones that are family, the godparents to your kids, the, aunts, the unofficial aunts and uncles of your life. The cash app friends. I don't even know how much I, you owe me, friend. I'm talking about them. Is it too hard? Because when we had no choice, we were doing it. We showed that we were doing it for our sanity and yours. And guess what? You didn't lose everything when you did it. You didn't. Doing that did not cause you to lose your job or lose your lady or lose your man. It, it didn't cause you to lose anything. We did that, right? We did it. We were right there. We did it. We was checking on each other. We was hollering at each other every single day, making sure everybody was good. And you didn't lose nothing because of that. If you lost something, you lost it because that's how things played out. But that is not why you lost it. Doesn't it, it's highly unlikely we're going to have another shutdown like that, unless it's really going to be the zombie apocalypse. And none of us are going to be as young as we are now with the old saying goes. And so what me and the producer Kim was talking about off mic is it feels like the stress level and people are dropping like flies. It feels like that social media definitely magnified it because if I'm not mourning, Someone that I know has passed away. I look on my timeline and somebody else got an RIP up there. So it's real. It's definitely real. Listen, I'm not claiming to have all of the answers. I'm not. But here's some basic things that we can all do. And listen, if you've been doing it, then do more. And I'm talking to myself also, too. One, let's check in. Right? At minimum, a quick text. Go by the level of the relationship you are with that person. You know? If y'all already been texting each other, then continue on. Pour a little bit more. Send a link. Send a joke. But then... Come off the thread and hit them up individually. Yo, how are you? Call, yo. And tell them off the top. I am infamous for, as soon as my friends pick, hey, yo, I got like two minutes, yo, but I just wanted to hear your voice. I said, tell them off the top. These are people that were there for you when you needed it. When you were at your bottom, you, they've been there for you. 
call. Check in. Make sure they're good. I mean, like, make sure they're really good. And if they are able to at least articulate to you that they're not, understand the amount of strength that it takes to be able to say that I'm not okay. It's so much. Please do not expect for them to give you a full out blueprint directional <laughs> strategic plan on how they can be helped. Because that is going to take so much more strength than, than what they have to offer. Please understand that I might be on you to offer a little bit more. You might have to be creative and come up with the idea and be like, oh man, you down? Yo, son, what you need? How can I help you? Don't just check their Facebook status. <laughs> I'll tell you a true story. I had to go to New York for a one-day trip to work. My blood cousin, like my cousin, first cousin, lives out in Jersey. I'm out there. We spoke the link because I'm out there for one day. I'm out there working, doing my thing. I said, hey, I actually wrapped up work sooner than rather than later. Like five, six o'clock. He was like, yo, I'm going to call you when I'm done with this such and such. I'm like, all right, cool. Yo, that was September, yo. We about to go into December. I ain't heard from that cousin since. And just in case you want to know, he tweets like every 25 minutes. Now, look, I love him. I'm going to always love my cousin, right? And we're going to have a conversation about that. But this is what I'm talking about. I mean, like, yeah, I'm a grown man. I can get by and all this other stuff. But at the same time, yo, for real? We can't be so we're just like, oh, you know, I guess you fine. You checking it. Whoever's still on Facebook, checking their Facebook statuses and I guess they're fine. They're laughing on that. We all know that means nothing. Absolutely nothing. A smile on Instagram, a Facebook stat, a tweet, none of that means nothing. So don't just check that. Yo, the phone has made it so easy. You can leave voice notes. You can record your voice telling the person, hey, let's just call and check up on you. I love you. A recorded message, yo. It's so easy. It is. It would not hurt you to see how your person that you love is doing. And this goes for your relatives. This goes for your friends and those that you call family the family that you with, the relatives that you was born into and the family that you choose. Because they're not going to be there forever. And stop waiting for someone to not be there to, saying, to sing the same song of, oh, here we go. So precious. Oh, life, it's so precious. You don't have to holler at somebody every day. But let's remember what got us through those of us that are still living and breathing and functional, what got us through was each other. That's what got us through. Let's not go another year as we close out this year right here, wondering what's going on with somebody or somebody else got to tell you what happened to them. Because I got to tell you, I've had a couple friends that passed away in their own house by themselves. And people found out a couple of days later in my lifetime, right? Not recently, but in my lifetime. And people found out a couple of days later, and that's a sad feeling. And it wasn't lonely. People just forgot. But we need to remember. Let's just try to do a better job of that. If we could, please. When you celebrate whatever holiday you celebrate, if you don't celebrate holidays, but as this year close out, let's remember that. Let's carry the good habits into the the new year. Let's bring each other together just a little bit more if we can. Because we're starting to lose that. And we're starting to forget how that felt. So let's remember again. Let's remind each other. That grace and compassion thing is more than just something to say in a room. It's more than just something to tweet. It's something to live by. I hope your blackness is elevated. My blackness feels somewhat elevated. That's how we do for this episode right here. 
as usual, I'm Jay Hall. You can hit me up on all social media platforms at Jay Hall Society. Episodes as usual, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other things that you can go when you go to look for podcasts. Make sure you check out me and online media for other podcasts and shows. And don't forget, also, you can listen to back shows of the history of being black. We appreciate everybody that's been checking in with us. It's been a wonderful ride. I appreciate everybody that's been down and checking in with me since I became a host of the show. And make sure you always coming back and forth because we're always going to have guests in here. But I just want to take this time to talk to you about that because I got love for you. And I want to see you share that love. And I want to see you spread that love. All right. So as usual, I'm Jay Hall. Be blessed with successful. And we'll talk to you soon. We ghosts. The History of Being Black is hosted by Jay Hall. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find the History of Being Black podcast on IG at The History of Being Black. Follow the Mean O'Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mean O'Line Media. Get the Mean O'Line Media app in the App Store or on Google Play. The History of Being Black podcast is a Mean O'Line Media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.